You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Audience, for those who may not know me, my name is Stan, and I serve as the campus pastor at our East Lincoln campus over in Denver. All of your East Lincoln Denver uh, family members send a warm greeting and a hello this morning. And I want to just say how thankful I am to be back on the Cornelius campus on a Sunday morning. It's been a couple of years. And I'm so thankful that uh, Pastor Farrell asked me today and that he would entrust me to care for you uh, as we work through the word. So again, it is just a privilege and honor. Don't we have a great pastor, Pastor Farrell? Could we just, maybe he'll hear this wherever he is right now. We are so thankful for him. Well, we're going to step right into the message, so if you will get your teaching notes in hand, and if you'll open your Bibles up to James chapter 4, and while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Uh, This is our seventh week in the study of James. Uh, Have you, like me, during these past six weeks, have you been challenged in your personal spiritual life as you've heard the words that James is um, actually confronting us with so we can have a stronger faith. Raise your hand if you've been challenged as he's been. Yeah, it's, uh, I most certainly have. Uh, and it's been good, sometimes a little hard because you have to acknowledge some truth about yourself. Well, we learned early on that uh, the book of James, the letter that James writes, is uh, the most practical book of the New Testament. And it has, right? It's been very practical. Everything that we've read so far has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And we've seen that James is a very straight shooter. He doesn't waste words. In fact, he uses some strong, stern And even at times, uh, a bit fatherly words as he works us towards the goal of understanding what true faith really looks like. And as he contends for this understanding, again, he confronts us, he challenges us, and in no uncertain terms... James helps us to understand that our faith is more than just head knowledge. In other words, faith is not just knowing about God, knowledge that we hold up here, but true faith is when we allow the work of the Holy Spirit to take what we've heard and what we've uh, planted up here and to allow it to drop down into our hearts so it affects the way that we live. True faith is actually the expression of Jesus in our lives. Do you agree with that? True faith is the expression of Jesus in our lives. James has shown us that true faith is seen in the way we respond to trials and challenges in life. And true faith is seen in how we treat other people. And true faith is seen in the words that we speak. And true faith is seen in how we deal with sin in our own personal lives And we'll see as we continue the study that true faith is even seen in how we pray. James has helped us to understand that true faith, listen, it might be stretched, but it does not break. True faith does not break. True faith might be pressed, but it never fails. And listen to this. When true faith expresses itself, it never, never, ever explodes on other people. And when true faith is distressed, it does not 
panic. James has made it crystal clear that our Christianity isn't simply something that's to be believed. But instead, our Christianity is to be lived out. True faith is seen in our changed lives. And that's because, listen to this, the presence of Jesus always, 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 always makes a difference in how we live, how we think, how we navigate through life, and again, how we deal with other people. Uh, It makes a difference in how we believe. And so today, that's a little bit of a review, but today uh, what we're going to see is that James, continuing on in his practicalness, uh, is going to help us understand that true faith is seen in how we plan for the future. So I have a few questions that I want to ask you. Um, How many of you have heard the phrase, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail? Raise your hand if you heard that. Yeah, I think most of us, if not all of us, if you fail to plan, you you plan to fail. Now, my next question is, are there any planners in the room? And listen to this. Are there any planners? Would you say, that's the motto of my life. That's how I'm identified. I am a planner. How many of you would best be described by your calendar? In other words, if I were to look at your calendar, I would be able to see what you're going to do this afternoon, what you're going to do tomorrow and throughout the week. And probably into next week, maybe next month, and probably you have an idea of what you're going to do next year. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand. Okay, you you can put them down. In our house, uh, we're empty nesters. So there's just two adults, and of that, my wife is here today, this is Cammie, if you've never met her. And um, uh, of us two adults, there's one of us who is very future-oriented, and there's one of us who is very... um, present oriented. Uh, Guess who the future oriented person is? Not me. It's not me. Um, And this is good because it brings balance, but Cammy is a planner. And so oftentimes, many weeks on Monday morning, as we're just waking up and we're doing our devotions and we're kind of getting settled in, she'll go, so what all you got going on today? And then uh, uh, talk to me about the week and what do you want to do on Friday uh, on, our, on our day off? And I'm just sitting there like in a daze. I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I think I maybe know what I've got up until about three o'clock today. And it doesn't mean that I'm not a planner. I just, I just live in the moment. I know how to plan. And let me tell you, I, I plan well, but I just, I just enjoy the moment. Um, when Cammie would ask me things like that in the past, I would sometimes think, and I ask her, I go, why are you so worried about that? She said, I'm not worried. I just want to know what's going to happen. And it really helped me to understand because I thought, you're going to worry yourself sick. She just wants to know what's going on. Let me see how many planners in the room again. Just raise your hand. Gosh, the majority of this room is planners. Listen, learn to live in the moment. Learn to live in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. Well, listen, if you're a planner... Um, I want you to remember this. I want you to be assured of this, that as we read the passage this morning, uh, it's not telling you that planning is bad. Planning in itself is a bad. James isn't going to tell you to stop 
planning. So you can take a deep breath. You continue to plan. But what James is going to do is he's going to present us with a necessary condition for all of our planning. Practical. He's just going to lay it out there for us. Let me ask another question. How many of you um, can remember a time when maybe when you were a kid and um, you were... um, uh, think about your, your grandmother, and, and uh, you said, hey, uh, hey, Grandma, um, are, you coming, are you coming to visit us? Or, or maybe you say, hey, Grandma, um, are we going to town tomorrow? And Grandma's response, well, if the good Lord's willing, and she might add, and if the creek don't rise. <laughs> you know what? Grandma, it doesn't mean she wasn't a planner, but... Grandma had been listening to James already because grandma, in the good Lord willing, she had already connected with that our planning must involve God. That's the necessary planning condition that James is going to present us with today. So let's go ahead and step into the passage. You ready? Uh, You're in James chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 13 through 17. I want to tell you a word about how I use the notes. I don't want you to get lost in trying to figure out where I am in the notes. And so today the notes are pretty much a summary at the end. I don't want you to just think, where is he? And you miss something really, especially you planners. I I don't want you to miss something important. So We'll get to the notes and we'll get to everything in it, but it's going to be more like a summary towards the end. So I want you to follow along as I read from James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. There's Grandma. Grandma and James have been talking. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. There again, James is just the straight shooter. He just called it out. Um, Before we, I think what would be helpful as we move into the passage is just a little bit of context. Uh, When James wrote his letter, um, it was common for a merchant to uh, be in one city and buy up goods in that city and then take those goods to another city and set up a booth and sell them until he had sold everything and he had made a profit. Then in that city, the merchant would buy Take his profit and buy more goods. And after they were purchased, guess what? He would move on to another city. He'd set up a booth. He'd sell everything until he'd made a profit. And then he would buy goods in that city. And guess what he did? He took those goods then on to another city. And this cycle continued until the merchant had become a wealthy man and was able to move back home and really have a a kind of a wealthy lifestyle of the rich and famous. Well, that's the picture that James is painting here in verse 13. In his effort 
to lay um, the groundwork for what I would call a course correction in planning, he singles out this group of merchants as one example of planning for the future. We should also take note of how James begins this section. He says, now listen. Now listen. Now, the, the, there's, a, there's a forcefulness to those words. Now listen. There's an urgency to the words. Now listen. In essence, he's saying, stop, stop what you're doing, listen to what I have to say, I want you to examine the way that you're going about making plans. Why? Why why is he asking this? Or maybe the better question is what? What What is he looking for? What would happen if they stop, if they listen? If they will take the time to examine the way that they're going about making plans, what will they find that's missing? Well, it was all there. It is all there in verse 14. He says, you talk so far off into the future, yet you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Remember grandma's words? The Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Once again, James and grandma. They're on the same page. Borrowing from grandma. Here's my paraphrase of what James is saying. You're making plans. You're making plans. But for all you know, uh, tomorrow the creek might rise and wash all your plans away. Let me ask, how many of you have made plans, big or small, and um, you're ready, you're set, you're excited. This is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. But then something happens. Something unexpected happens. And suddenly, your plans that you're counting on, they're washed away. Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah, I think we've had it happen a lot of times. It's disappointing, isn't it? But I wonder, were we making our plans the right way? Um, Are we all in agreement that we never really know what the next day holds? We we never know what tomorrow holds. Uh, We don't know what unforeseen circumstances or situations might rise and come along and wash away our plans. That phone call that comes early in the morning or that doctor's visit, the the diagnosis. We, We just don't know. We plan. We plan for the future with great confidence, but yet... We don't know what tomorrow has in store. And this is exactly the the message that James is trying to present. He says, you don't, you plan and you don't know. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then he adds to it, and what about you? You don't even know if you'll be around tomorrow. Is he trying to be the grim reaper or what? No, James is just presenting a truth that we all must come to grips with. In the J.B. Phillips translation, it would say it this way, our lives are frail and unpredictable as a puff of smoke. I'm going to say that again. Our lives are frail and it's unpredictable as a puff of smoke. We don't know what tomorrow holds and we don't know, I'm just going to say, we don't know if we're going to be around for uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, James is a straight shooter and he's just saying you're here for a while and then poof, 
your God. I'm a visual learner, so I brought an illustration uh, this morning. Um, I want you to imagine that this rope, and, and you've probably seen this illustration again, certainly not uh, original with me, but I want you to imagine that this rope is, is, a, is a timeline. Okay? Uh, it's a timeline of eternity, but it's also a timeline of your life. So imagine that that rope doesn't stop at the ham and organ, but it goes on and on and on and on and on. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's eternity. It's just going on and on and on forever. And then there's this little yellow spot on the rope. And this, this little yellow mark in relation to all of eternity, represents what? Our lives. So think about it. This is our lives, but this is far too often how we live. We plan. We make decisions. When we think about this too often, we think that this is all there is. And so we're looking at this little bit of time in relation to determining. So I can't wait till I get right here because when I get here, I can retire. And I can travel and spend more time with the kids and do all the things, that the hobby. I just can't wait till I get here. And, and we're making our choices and we're making our decisions We're planning right here when we don't really know. We don't know what's going to happen in any of these days. But think about it. How foolish is it to plan as if this were our whole life? Instead, when this is our whole life, this, let me say it again, that is our life, not this. But all of eternity, that's how God created. Scripture says he put eternity into our hearts. So, of course, James is challenging the, the Jewish believers who had been scattered. But he's challenging us also that you and I, when we plan, the course correction is that we have to plan with an eternal perspective. We don't just plan for the yellow mark. We don't just plan for retirement or or the trip that we want to take next year or whatever. But we plan with eternity in mind. We plan with an eternal perspective. We don't make our decisions based on this life because we don't know how long we're going to be around. And we're not going to be here that long in relation to eternity. Uh, In in, in, in verse 15, um, James lays the cornerstone. Uh, Our plans are not to be made independent of God. How often when we plan, do we plan as if we are invincible? And how often when we plan, do we plan as if we had great insight into the future? And James is saying, you are not invincible. You really don't have insight into the future. So when you plan, you should plan saying, if it's the Lord's will, I will do this. Or I will do that. Or I will do that. There's, there's grandma again. I don't know if grandma's been influencing James or James influenced grandma. But grandma had it, had it right. The challenge, listen. The challenge that James is laying out. Because remember, he confronts and he challenges. It's not a challenge against planning. He's not saying planning is wrong. But what he's talking about, the challenge is when we, when we plan and we leave God out of the equation. And you know what happens when we plan and we leave God out of the equation? We're taking on God's role. We're playing God. Listen, 
God must be considered, listen to this, in every plan that we make. Because God is interested in all that we plan and all that we do. Moving on in the passage in verse 16, he calls out pride and arrogance. He said, you boast in your arrogant schemes. When we, as Christ followers, leave God out of our planning, we are making an arrogant assumption of self-sufficiency and a declared independence from God. I'm going to say that again. When we leave God out of our planning, we are making an arrogant assumption of self-sufficiency and declared independence from God. And then in verse 17, James ties it all up in a very straightforward, waste-no-words way. He says, if you know these truths... Okay, so listen, this morning we've heard the truth of the word... So I want to go ahead and tell you, now you know these truths. Everybody, you, you're okay with that? You know the truth. We know the truth now. If you know these truths, then how foolish it would be to plan for the future without seeking God's will. How foolish it would be. If you choose to plan for the future without seeking God's will... James says, not me. James says, it's sin. Straight shooter James. It's sin. No punches pulled. If you and I choose to leave God out of our plans, if we choose not to let our plans be sifted through God's will, then you and I are consciously choosing to sin. What's the sin? The sin is the failure to recognize the place that God holds in our lives. Remember, God is sovereign. And the sin is arrogance. And the sin is pride. Planning without God is presumptuous. Say that again. Planning without God is presumptuous. While the future uh, is unknown, uh, that means that every step into the future is unknown. Right? The future is unknown, so every step into the future is unknown. And you know, there's truth in if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But planning without including God, planning without praying is mere presumption. Let me tell you what presumption is. Presumption, when we're planning, is a superficial design for action built on partial knowledge, inadequate objectives, and Questionable motives. Let me say that again. A a, a presumption is a superficial design for action built on partial knowledge, inadequate objectives, and questionable motives. motives. Whereas a plan, a plan is a flexible, detailed design for action based on the consideration of all the facts involved. Planning recognizes the uncertainties of life. Presumption ignores it. Planning recognizes the brevity of life. Presumption ignores them. Planning considers the will of God. Presumption ignores it. Planning is rational and humble. Presumption is irrational 
and boastful. So in five verses, what has James taught us? What has James taught us this morning about planning for the future? Well, here's where you get to use your notes. He's reminded us that we're not in control, but instead God is. God is sovereign, and we are not. And he's reminded us that we don't know the future. But God does. We don't know the future, but God does. Our insight into tomorrow, next week, next month, next year is limited. But we can submit our plans to God and he will guide us. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your paths. There it is again. God must be involved in our planning. And James has reminded us that we are spiritual beings. Our physical existence is temporary. Life is short, so we need to seek God. We need to invest well. and We need to remember that death is certain and we are to live with an eternal perspective. Um, I want to share, as I'm getting close to landing the plane, um, I, I want to share a personal story that uh, applies. And sometimes sharing the personal stories, they're kind of ouch, but it's the truth. Um, several years ago, Cammie and I, uh, we were presented with what we thought was the opportunity of a lifetime. As soon as, particularly for me, I'm not going to speak for her, but as soon as I heard it, I said, that's it. That's what's supposed to happen. And I moved into motion. I did everything I possibly could to make it happen. Now, of course, I know the power of prayer, so I prayed, right? But when I prayed, I didn't pray, God, if this is your will, will you allow this to happen? But instead I said, God, this is my will, and this is your will, and I'm expecting you to make it happen. I think you owe it to us. I'm being really honest. I'm not exaggerating. That's how I felt. This is my time. This is our time. This is going to happen. The problem is that our plans were presumptuous. And in those plans, I made a declaration of my independence from God. And now I can look back. Hindsight's always great, isn't it? It hurts sometimes too. I can look back and say, I realize that I should have prayed some very different prayers. Much different, because you know what? That plan that I had, it didn't end real well. In fact, it was messy. It was painful. But I got what I wanted. I actually think, I wonder sometimes if God, because as, as, you have to know, when I say I prayed, how many of you read The Circle Maker? Uh, Mark Batterson's circle. It, it, it's 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 about prayer and the circle. And I did I did the Mark Batterson thing. I wrote what I knew was going to happen on a card, and I prayed around. Oh God, make it happen, God. And it's up to you, God. I mean, I did every kind of prayer, but I never once said, God, this sounds like a great opportunity, but we don't want to be anywhere where you don't want us to be. We don't want to do anything that we should not do because it's not in your best interest for us. It's not your will. Instead, I selfishly said, I want this. Make it happen. And it was a mess. But thankfully, God redeems. He redeems because part of that is I'm here today. 
I feel like I'm right in the center. We are. We're right in the center of God's will. So what did we learn? Well, we learned, and James confirms this, that we need God's guidance. So we have to plan prayerfully. And we realized, we learned that planning is right when we plan without presumption or assumption. And planning is best when we plan with an eternal perspective. In other words, this is not all there is to life. And we learned that we have to be flexible when we submit our plans to God, we have to allow Him to change our plans. That's hard, isn't it? Can I just say, when you know what you want, have you ever been in a spot, it's like, I know what I want, so I'm not going to ask God because He's probably going to say no. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true. I just don't, God, I'm not going to talk to you about it because I just already know this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Let me ask this morning, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, um, let me just tell you what my sense was as I was, as I was preparing this message this week, as I was praying through it, is that God just, just planted in my heart that, Stan, you're not alone. You're not the only one who's done this. In fact, uh, there, there is at least an individual or there are people here today and they're involved in, in, a, in a plan um, and they haven't, asked, they haven't asked me about it. And I'd really like to, I'd, I'd like to just, I'd like to be part of that plan because I, I, I have the best in store for them. If you're here today and you are uh, planning in some way, if you have plans and you recognize today that you have not involved God in those plans, would you just lift up your hand right now? Is there anybody? Just lift them up high. I'm probably the only one looking. Yeah, all around the room there are people who say, you know, I'm planning right now. And and I recognize, uh, I need to stop and listen and examine how I'm going about making my plans. I want to pray for you right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for James, who is a spirit-filled man who is willing to confront us and challenge us with truth. And today we've been confronted about how, challenged about how we go about making plans. And so, Father... I ask that for every person who raised their hand, who is in the midst of planning and has not involved you, that this would be a marked point where they would now say, I open up that plan to you, God, and I would say, not my will, but your will be done in my life. I will be flexible. I don't want to leave you out of my plan. Now, for everyone who who raised their hand, you also now have to be willing to release that. You've got to let go of it because you have to remember God has what's best in store for you. God, I pray that right now 
there would be release throughout this room, that there would be a difference, that there would even be a, a, a saving knowledge where, where there would be individuals who are making plans and they won't have to end up in the messy end like Cammy and I did because we didn't consult you. But this would be a point where you're saving them from something that would be catastrophic and help them to release that plan to you, to be flexible, to allow uh, the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. I pray that. Thank you, Father, because you're doing that right now. And I want you to, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, um, I, I want to ask a very important question. Maybe you're here today and you've never involved God in any of the plans for your life. Uh, and what I'm, what I'm getting to is you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked Jesus into the plan for your life. And as a result, your life has maybe been a series of catastrophes or unhappiness. And today, I'm asking you if you would acknowledge the fact that um, we are separated from God because of sin in our lives. And we are unable to work ourselves to God. But God knew that and he gave his son Jesus. And Jesus came to earth, made his way to the cross, went to the cross, took our sin. He died in our place so that we could have forgiveness of our sins, so we could be cleansed and we could have eternal life. And that we could have eternal life. If you're here today and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, this is your day. And so I simply would ask, if that's you, would you right now make that decision to say yes and just... Here's what I want you to do. Just lift up your hands and let your eyes catch my eyes. Is there anyone here today and you say, I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus today? Just raise your hand right now. I'm just going to look all throughout the room up in the balcony. Is there anybody? Saying yes to Jesus today. Is there anyone right here in the back? Is there anybody else? Today I'm saying yes to Jesus. Anybody else? Take that brave step. Anybody else? Over here? Over here? There's two. Right here? Is there anybody else? We're just going to linger for a moment. This is an important moment. Anybody else in the room? I'm going to release my own plans right now and I'm going to submit my life, give my life to Jesus. Anybody else? Okay, here's what I want everybody in the room to do. We're going to, as a way of encouragement, we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer, a salvation prayer. We're going to pray along with those who are making this decision, uh, just asking Jesus to be the center of their lives. Would you just repeat this after me? Dear God, today I recognize my great need for you. I've left you out of the plan for my life. Today I recognize that um, I'm kind of lost in my sin. And so I confess my sin. And I say, Jesus, I believe that you died in my place. And that you paid the price that God required. So Jesus, now I ask that you... You become my Savior. I give you my life.
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information Amen. on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 